You are listening to Gabriel and Lee at the Crossroads. All right. We're back on. How's it going, Lee? Good. How are you? It's doing, it's doing pretty well. I don't know what I'm trying to say right now. It, I'm just really in shock. By it, he means the podcast and the audio, the equipment. We, yep. We can hear each other. It's weird. It's weird, but it's good. Good weird. You're in my head. Or is that God? I can't tell anymore. <laughs> what is life? What is what? What is life? <laughs> so, yeah. Do you like those berries? We are having blueberries and blackberries. They're very good. They're very good. You're right. Yeah. You know, Tupac said, I don't want to repeat what he said, but we all know what he said. All eyes on me. That's what he said. Or only God can judge me. Yep, that's what he said. We're not going to go there. We're totally going to circumvent <laughs> what I'm thinking. What is he talking about? Oh, you know. All my rap, hip-hop, hip, hippity-hoppity the, friends. The hippity-hoppity? Yep, you know, don't stop till the beat drop. <laughs> Did you see the Super Bowl commercial? Which one? Um, what did he say? Is it Can't Touch This? Well, MC Hammer? MC Hammer. Made a comeback. I'm trying to remember the ones I did remember. The one that stood out was all the office people did a bunch of them. Uh, I think it was Hyundai mm-hmm. with uh, his name isn't Jim, but that's what he went on the show. John John Krasinski. Oh yeah, when they were talking about like Boston, they were talking Rachel about Rachel Dretch mm-hmm. and they had uh, the Boston accent. Chris Evans. Yeah, they all had a, that uh, that Boston. Yeah, trying to car. Gosh, I wonder if all the Boston fans were like, all right, this is it, turning off. Because I think, uh, I don't know about Rachel, but I know the other two are from Boston or nearby Boston. Mm. So, uh, yeah, they made it a thing. And then... uh, Boston people are ruthless. Crazy, right? Oh, yeah. It's real tough. It's scary. I don't know if I would be friends with a Boston uh, resident. It's kind of a a good turn off being from Boston. Sorry, Boston people. You can prove me wrong. Oh, we, just, us out. we just lost our Boston audience. All oh, zero of them. <laughs> no, we got some Boston fans. We can think that. Boston fans at the crossroads. <laughs> Could you imagine being in Boston in the winter? Uh, it's uh, not good. I've never been. I've been to Washington, D.C. I don't know how close that is to Boston, but it's um, definitely cold. Not too far. It was interesting. So I went for work in August, and where do they send you? Uh, Boston. They went to we went DC. Boston, Boston, DC. You know what's okay? I did not realize that DC stood for District of Columbia. What did you think it stood for? I thought DC and District of Columbia were two separate entities, like Baltimore and like I didn't even know Baltimore is considered Washington DC or like it's in Baltimore. It's, it's, not. it's not right. It's its own thing. About two hours away. All right, I sound like Trump right now. Great state of Kansas. Okay, but did you see the tweets responding to that in defense of Trump and saying basically saying like, look, he's not wrong because the the Chiefs do represent Missouri and Kansas. Oh no, no, no I didn't see and that. And that there's a second. I didn't know this. I guess. I mean, I'm a California guy. What do I know? There's two Kansas cities. One in. Missouri and one in Kansas. So mm. technically... Not wrong. Technically, he's not wrong. You know? It's like Boston. But 
Is it like Boston? It just is. <laughs> no, but uh, I just thought it was funny that that's like the again. I'm not a Trump guy, but I just think it's funny that any little thing Trump does is an issue or a problem or something to to make fun of because I want my wall. <laughs> I have to say. If only he would eat Chick Fil A, it would just oh, like internet would break down. At those, or what's uh, it called? Shut down at that point. What do they call when the championship teams go to the White House? Oh yeah. If he had like a Chick Fil A, that would be. And then Kanye was there, and it was Sunday. <laughs> Could you imagine? He has his Chick Fil A open on Sundays. That would be outstanding. Phenomenal. It would be huge. Huge. <laughs> So, we're we're back. Uh, thank you to all those listeners, and please comment. That's what we need. We need to know what you are all thinking out there because we won't know what to do and what not to do. Thank you for the feedback, and and thank yes, thank you to those who have given us free feedback in person, over text, all that good stuff. I uh, hope you've enjoyed our guests. Um, we sure have. We we have um, one of one of those. Um, guess we I, I lost the audio I will admit that I'm not uh, a sound engineer so you know we're doing this as a hobby and shout out to Mr. Jacob Wano yeah, still he did a great job it just didn't start off uh, as quickly as we were hoping because of the Kobe I made everybody sad yeah he sure did up, we ring up Kobe it was a day after and uh, everybody was kind of in a serious tone unlike today yeah but uh, yeah that kind of Threw us for a loop for mm-hmm. sure. For sure. So yep. I think uh, you know we'll get him back in, and it was it was great second half for sure. You know we were down ten points, but we came through with a win. You had to say that, didn't you? I just you know <laughs> got to I got to do the Chief Kingdom. What's up, Tomahawk? Okay, Miss Warren. <laughs> <laughs> you saw those right? No. no. Oh my gosh, I forgot about that. The one. One, uh, one, what is it? One, one thousandth, 24th or something? She's something. It's like a needle. But they had like, sack. they had a lot of those, uh, mixed in with like the Chiefs logo. Oh my gosh. And then Elizabeth Warren with the headdress on saying like, we're going to root for my team, my people and all. Yeah. Talk about <laughs> just so much diversity and inclusion in a Be- football game. Because diversity is strength, Gabriel. That's right. I believe that. You can, oh. you can put those diversity on your um, bench press and hopefully you can PR on it. <laughs> diversity equals strength all the time. Always. All the time, yeah. Even, even when you're asleep, you're dreaming about it. Well, you, you did see the that one tweet. I'm trying to remember. Maybe it was CNN. So they tweeted out a response of Trump's I guess, uh, Department of Health board in regards to the coronavirus response. They had a meeting Mm -hmm. and people were complaining because of the lack of diversity. Oh, that's right. I saw that. Yes. Yes. Diversity is more important than a human health crisis. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) What? How many people died? I don't care. Look at that white guy over there. We need, we need less white guys. Isn't there more? Aren't Aren't there more female doctors than there are male doctors? According to Dr. Jordan Peterson, yes. Not because before it was... Well, what's considered 
We're talking about medical physicians. physicians. Yeah. Because before, that was still the claim as far as women women within medicine, like the field of medicine, nurses, doctors, all that entails. And then finally, yes, like you said, they actually took over as far as um, women within the medicine also being doctors or those or those uh, medical students as well. They're, women have surpassed men in the field. And now women are majority of the workforce, apparently. I think it went up... Uh, 55? Mm-hmm. 45? Something like that. And the economy's booming. The economy. <laughs> isn't, isn't that great, though? Like, when he does get criticism with Trump, and then he sends out a tweet regarding, you know, this the issue, but then at the very tail end, he's, he'll include that, right? Economy's yeah. booming. Economy's booming. Lowest unemployment rate amongst... They want to impeach this bastard. What did he say? <laughs> he said it at what yeah. the... What, was it the... The Alabama, gosh, I can't name their team. It's <laughs> University of Alabama, or whatever they are. Uh, uh, the Titan, uh, the Tides, Rolling Tide. Roll Tide. Yeah. Crimson Tide, yeah. He is by far the most comedic. Well, I don't know. Is that true? A lot of people liked Obama, but. Was he funny? I don't remember him being funny. I wasn't as. I think because he. Uh, aware. He did. He did have little like snippets with the media. I think he was, this doesn't sound totally wrong, but he was cooler. Right? Like smooth. Okay. Maybe. Polished. I was going to say cooler. It depends who you ask. Smoother. Uh, yeah. He's definitely way more polished than Mr. Trump. He just had more of like a, kind of like a, you know, a thing to him. A thing? I didn't mean that that way. You know what I'm trying to say. Why are you throwing that at me right now? (laughs) Who'd you vote for? (laughs) Obama, Obama, Obama. Oh, oh, well, Key and Peele did a whole thing about it, right? When he uh, was... His translator? Well, him, um, that, and then when he would shake people's hands, like if it was a white guy, it would be like a regular like business handshake, and if it was a a black person, then he would do like, oh, what's up, my brother? Like, yeah, keep it real. Like, even that, like, you know? They're that like, was uh, yeah, that was a thing. They know, yeah, you know. Wait, what do you mean by they? <laughs> what do you mean, you people? <laughs> okay, did you see Robert Downey Jr.'s interview with Jerry when they're talking about the whole blackface and him yeah. being the actor that plays the actor that plays the actor? I'm the dude playing the dude, acting like another dude. Mm-hmm. I was watching the clip on YouTube, and they were lost or whatever. And Robert Downey, have Jr.'s, you seen the movie? Yeah. Okay. Great movie. Robert Downey Jr. Super hilarious. <laughs> it's like um, it's like the American version, I guess you could say it that way, of Nacho Libre. Okay. Like the English version, if you want to say it that way. Just the fact that we got to see Tom Cruise like make oh, a fool out of himself. Was that was really a good great too. character. Yeah. Like beautifully created. Have you seen? Did you see the? We're totally going for this, but did you see his uh, what is that? Top Flight, whatever it was. Top Gun? Top Gun. The new one? It looks good. I haven't seen it. I haven't is seen it the old one. It's in. It's coming out. Uh, yeah. I've seen the old one. It, is, it doesn't want to talk to its father yet. It, um... <laughs> no, I know for its, ti- for its time, it was, like, a big deal. And I know that's the one that made not just Tom Cruise big, but it made Val Kilmer big, too. Don't know who that is. Val Kilmer? You don't know who Val Kilmer is? Did he, did he jump on a couch, too? Sir... 
Because he's in love. Are they even together anymore? Who? Uh, what is it? K- Katie Holmes and Keanu Reeves, or what is his name? Katie Holmes is with the cool guy now, Jamie Foxx. Oh, is he? Is he? She really? Yeah, the cool guy. What? Do they hang out with Obama too, or what? <laughs> Did you know what's interesting about Jamie Foxx? I've seen some of his interviews, and he talked about these parties that he would throw. That sounds familiar. And he would. That's how he met all these like Kanye, Missy Elliott, all these big time artists and producers. Is that the same story than tying or tying in with Chappelle? I think so. Meeting Kanye for the first time or hanging out with him for the first time? Uh, I don't know about that one. I know Fallon was talking about that mm-hmm. where he was at the party and then they were both Laker fans or uh, Kobe was like 18 at the time and he had just... They went on a beer run when he was 17. Yeah. yeah. Jimmy Fallon's so awkward. He is. Can we just talk about that for two seconds? But <laughs> Just two. <laughs> That's it. No, but I guess he's likable to celebrities and comedians. They say he's a good guy, nice guy. So they kind of... Oh, look, they're all they nice look, guys, aren't they? They look past a lot of stuff, apparently. Well, you know what? I don't know what nice guys they win last. So, except for him. <laughs> nice guys finish last. So, does that mean... Oh, okay. Let's think about it that way, right? If nice guys finish last, would that make them the best leaders ever in this whole world the nice guys right at some point yeah you would have to think because they're leader because they're last they're first when when they're first no well when they're first they have all things considered because you know uh i don't know the saying exactly but if looking at your notes the bible study notes that you had i don't know if you recall yeah these are show notes that's what we call them you know Except it's it's just It's Gabe's uh, very detailed notes On Bible study and reading Honestly like I don't know why I didn't continue this Like I should just Because I like them I do my little annotations in the bottom Like right here it says Jethro Now I know that the Lord is greater than all The goods for in the thing wherein They dealt proudly he was above them And then it says Moses judges The statutes of good and his laws Sorry you were saying I just wanted to read that real quick. No, that uh, I don't know if you remember any of the stories of of Abraham or Genesis when they're walking as a caravan. The setup or the detail of who would be at the front, who would be in the middle, who would be in the back. Oh, yes. yes. So the patriarch or the leader of the tribe or whoever was always in the back. So they're always in the back because they were able to get a better view on what's ahead and every everyone everyone they were leading basically so that they were able to see all the attacks from every angle should they be attacked by another tribe or group because i i saw somewhere that the wolf packs travel the same rate the same way too right yeah the male the leader was in the back the back and then the second in command was in the front? In the front. The, the best fighters, yeah, the best fighters are in the front. And then the weakest ones, like the Cubs and We're whatnot. in the middle. Towards the middle, towards the back. You're right. It's it's interesting how, how we've developed these sort of, uh, well, archetypes, right? These kind of fundamental means of protection and... and 
how we move as groups, what what makes the most sense. And really, I think it's just a matter of just going through the routine of it because I've been listening, again, to Maps and Meaning and how this, like, bottom-up approach. Mm-hmm. I know he does both, top-down, bottom-up, but everything we did was, was embodied. You know, everything had meaning. There was nothing separated we didn't abstract our our actions until later on right and then all of a sudden we thought we were so smart but just in that pack we knew that's we go we have the strong the leader in the back to protect the rear we have the strong the strong fighters in the front we know we got to protect the the innocent cubs and and female wolves and whatnot we just uh, there's this we're we're programmed animals and humans alike in a, in a lot of ways right it's the law that was written mm-hmm. in mankind but obviously you know in, in God creating in Genesis the animals um right everything was made with God and nothing made was apart right that, even the funny even the hierarchy was put into place yeah it, it's 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 been established and I think we forget a lot of times that this is just how it is but it's a matter of of updating our understanding I like when um, I forget where I'm reading this but or I've been listening about the, to put the put away the old man so you can have the the young man I, some, I forgot how you say exactly put, you know, put more, away the old man yeah. yeah and to me it's like that you know the renewing of the mind that you know you're reborn you're you're new again you are no longer so you, it's it's funny because if you think about it like if you're putting with the old man you're not changing who you are like as the person you're putting away your old self and replace for a new and better version of yourself really is what I, I would how I would say it because obviously it's you know you've made the mistakes you've lived in in sin you've you've done life apart from God let's say and then you want to you want to say that 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 person was the old man and then as you renew the mind you re- you're reborn you have the young, the new, the that better version of yourself, basically. That's, uh, yeah. The, I guess that's a way to, another way to put it in modern terms, I guess. Evolving, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's an idea with evolving or in essence, um, always learning. Um, because you know, there's always that, I don't know if it's a stereotype or whatnot, but most people are, they're very resistant to change or they're very, not change, but they're very resistant mm-hmm. to hearing yeah. new ideas, yeah. especially when you think of counseling. There's a lot of stigma behind like, no, I don't need counseling. What are they going to tell me that I already don't know? You know, maybe it's an age thing and they're they're in their eyes they're wiser 
than they are. The wiser beyond their years or what have you. So, and really, like, I think JP even talks about it, Jordan Peterson refers to it um, as far as what a psychiatrist or psychologist is going to do versus what they're not going to do. They're not there to, they're not really there to sway you one way or another. They're all they're there. All their, their point is that they're going to teach you tools on how to navigate whatever, like you said, referring to earlier, the chaos and the order. They're going to help you navigate through basically through life and everything that life entails and somehow it's up to you to make sense of it or it's up to you to excuse me it's up to you like you were saying we're gonna attribute certain things to maybe objects maybe emotions maybe stories and without an outsider's perspective there you're not gonna see certain things that you couldn't you know you're not going to be blind. able to see some things on your own. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I, I think that's, I think that's an, a great argument for diversity. <laughs> Why do you laugh? <laughs> Gosh, I say the most serious things and this guy laughs at me. Look at him. He's looking at me like he's, he's just. Diversity is our strength. You're right. You know what I'm saying, bro? You swole or what? <laughs> I got that diverse soul. Well, you know what I mean. Like, there's to me what I when I think of diversity, I think of life experiences. That to me matters more than anything else. It doesn't matter who experienced these things. What matters is that does this person have something of value to bring, a new perspective, an, uh, a way of looking at a problem, and and being able to provide. A innovative solution something that we never really thought of because they experienced something that connects that 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 is is like michael malice right you think about someone who's kind of you know he's a wit he has a he has a lot of wit and kind of flips things on their head you know like to me i see that as someone who's probably lived a different life experience i think he's from what Eastern Europe or he's from the Ukraine at the time when the Ukraine was under Soviet rule. So that that's a very unique, interesting perspective. Very different from yeah. like um a Brett Weinstein had um Anna something Kasperian, I forget her name, on his podcast, The Portal. And she's uh she's from I think the Ukraine or Russia, somewhere around there as well, and uh very similar, you know. Um, life experiences understands what that those ideologies pitfalls all those different things that happen her parents experience and then <clears throat> lo and behold she has Tulsi Gabbard on her show, on their show it's called huh. the, the the picture of the podcast is really funny it's a thong um, it's like someone's backside and thong I think it's called like red scare because it kind of alludes mm. to the red um, Russian kind of propaganda machine. Anti-communism. Yeah. Yeah. McCarthyism. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So it's like these interesting um, tidbits of what life was like, you know, like people who left Venezuela or people who left different um, like dictatorship regime sort of 
governments mm-hmm. come with tyranny. Tyranny. There you go. Tyrannical. Come with that and say, I don't want that, and and fight for those um, or fight against those principles because they know what what can happen. And I think that's interesting. Yeah, because I I'm trying to remember who Michael Malice was talking to recently. Because he had gone to North Korea at some point. He was telling yeah. somebody to go to North Korea, check it out. It's completely different from what you're, like you're saying about experience, what your experience might have been as an American. But uh, he was saying how, I guess, North Korea has also adopted this. This is something that he remembers growing up in uh, USSR. Was that uh, at some point or another, whenever food rations were low or... Um, people were starving and what have you that the government started telling people no you only want to eat two meals a day because it's healthier hmm. Not had nothing to do you know because of food shortages but they spun it as a means to oh yeah you don't want to be unhealthy so you only get two meals a day this is good for you it's very different from you know, the West, I guess, the best West mentality or West way of, of uh, approaching food and health, what have you, nutrition, I should say. Well, I mean, we definitely don't have it uh, figured out. Figured yeah. out, that's for sure. It, it, I would definitely flip our food pyramid upside down and say more uh, meat and all that. More greens. Yeah. It's all wacky. See, but okay, we're talking about perspective, right? See, we say that, right? We say like, oh, you need to do, what is it, keto? You need to do this diet or that diet. And then I think that was you or me, one of us. Was there a whale? That was the third mic. (laughs) No, but it reminded me, what you just said reminded me of. um, Did it catch me? I think it did. Oh, boy. Uh, Peterson and Michaela Peterson. Oh, yeah, the carnivore diet. Carnivore diet and how. That the whole point of them doing the carnivore diet is because that diet is is what is going to help them and their health, their health concerns, their health you know hurdles or limitations or what have you. But it's because of that that they discovered, yeah, this diet works for me, and it it's like kind of proves the point that everybody's different. Every mm-hmm. excuse me, every literally everybody. <laughs> we are some gassy guys <laughs> over here. Well, somebody, somebody's uh. Out with the sparkling water, so we're sponsored by sparkling water. <laughs> hey, what's this mute button? What does this do? Oh no, uh, we'll figure it What's out. Mute. Um, no, yeah, but it just kind of made me think of that, and and how, yeah, certain certain diet restrictions do make sense for others versus, hey, this is just how everybody should eat. Like that's that's not how. That's not how it works. And mm-hmm. we were talking about that earlier today, too, right? About seeking truth mm-hmm. and seeking things out um, correctly or according to what needs to be said or needs to be discovered or needs to be heard. Rather than um, if you hear somebody from the opposite point of view, to automatically assume to know what they have to say, assume that you know what they're about. You know, if you're going to actually hear them out it means you have to be patient you have to be understanding humble 
and if you're really going to challenge what they're saying, you actually have to listen to what they're saying first. Right. In order to be effective. Exactly. Yeah. Which, which I think, what's his name? Daryl. Daryl uh, Davis. Davis. The musician, author. Yeah. He, he uh, black musician. He uh, was at a show, right? I think in somewhere in Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. Came across a KKK member. And then from then on, okay, okay, let me get this straight, okay. So from then on, was able to take on this, because it was funny because Rogan said it was a gift, and it, and it really is in a lot of ways. It's this talent, it's this gift, it's a skill to, and, and okay, okay, this connects back to what I was saying. Sorry, I'm excited. So... His life experiences prepared him for what he was to do. Right. So at ten, he he uh, learned this Scouts. word. Yeah, he was in the Boy Scouts, and they were at a parade, and people were saying ob- obscenities. I guess how you say it. They were throwing rocks and bottles at him and saying horrible things to a ten year old, right. both adults and kids, because he was a, a black kid, and I forget. I think the, he was the only black kid part in the of Boy the Scouts. Scouts. Yeah. yeah. And he didn't understand what was going on. His parents explained to him this word racism. He didn't know what this meant. For the very first time in his life. In his life. And it was this big, big uh, turning, uh, pivotal moment for him. Because what that did, it was in his mind, created the question. Because he had been, they had been around um, in Europe, I think it was. And his classes, he said, looked like uh, UN meetings. Very diverse. Very diverse from different uh, countries and uh, ethnicities, all these different things. So... He experienced this young all the way through, right, as a musician, um, you know, as he grew up. But what happened was this question came to him was, how can they hate me when they don't know me? Right. I think that's what stuck with him as a kid. That's that's what he held on to. Like, right. what? I don't understand. What? Why do they hate me? They don't know me. And it's so funny or it's so interesting because I think that's something we all need to experience what i mean by that is what have you experienced in your life and you don't know why it is why that happened and then you come up with some question like he did and then however many years later bam that's crazy how it can go unanswered for so long for so long and then all these different things had to happen prepared him for that moment he would to run into that kkk member yeah and then what we have so many years later is him help, not really helping, but having conversations with actual KKK people. Right. Because it was like you're saying about we're having our experiences and then at some point that experience is going to cross, it's going to cross the path of somebody else's experience. Like in his case, he was a blues and jazz musician, rock and roll, and he was at a show and the gentleman that came up to him, he congratulated him and he was happy to, you know, be be there in the show. And he was saying, I've never I've never heard a black man play the piano like Jerry Lee Lewis. Right. Yeah. And that, you know, so so the clan members perspective was, no, this is Jerry Lee Lewis. He's the one that at the was at the forefront of this style of playing the piano and 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 like Daryl was saying, he's like 
actually know people, have friends that have met Jerry Lee Lewis. And he's like, actually, Jerry Lee Lewis, he um, he was a fan of black musicians who came up with the style. I think it's Boogie Woogie, the style yeah. of, of music. And that the clan member was like, no, you're crazy. You're talking crazy. Like, no, that you don't know what you're talking about. And he's like, like, look, I'm, t- <laughs> I'm trying to tell you, like, this is where Jerry Lee Lewis got it from. This is interesting, like you're saying, like, for whatever reason, at that moment in time, oh, I, th- I think we should preface it, too, because he was a part of, he was the only black member of a, of a uh, blues and, and jazz. jazz band, and they were playing at an establishment that was, it wasn't whites only, but it was, I think he said something to the, in the, in the to the effect of it was, um, where whites were welcomed, but... Like it wasn't blacks were welcomed. No, I don't think they were. No. Oh, no. Like it wasn't like like legally segregated. It was more segregated because the norms. Yeah, because the people, the patrons didn't didn't welcome black people. Something like that. Right. But it's yeah. interesting. Like you're saying, like he had a question for left unanswered for so long, and then finally the moment came moment in time came for him to actually have a discussion with somebody else that had no idea you know because of their bubble or because of their life experience had no idea of the truth and here was Daryl telling him the truth yeah and he was unsure and it's funny because he mentioned that they exchanged numbers like hey whenever you're back in town let me know I'll come check you out again right he he actually would go back yeah he would go back and see his shows right you know, it's like this KKK guy, right? And he he didn't initially want to start talking to them, to the individuals in the KKK, the white individuals. But he did mention that they were both clansmen and clanswomen. And he, he studied them. He had mentioned that too, that he'd been studying because of that incident when he was 10 about racism. So he started talking, reading you know, Hitler and white supremacy and really doing his homework and research and trying to figure out like, why are they like this? Well, I don't get it. He was looking into it. He was looking into it. Just parallel with Peterson about why do people believe so strongly enough to want to go to war, right? It's these, it's these questions that we have and, and a desire to figure out the answers to these questions in the pursuit of the, whatever that truth may be at the end of that, journey right and and so because yeah, i think daryl said something to the effect of so i think joe asked he asked him how do you fight against um racism or or ignorance and he said it's through education yes like, like i think that's what you're going yeah yeah so you're going with your, with your idea there yeah it's 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 really yeah that's what it is it's like okay he decided and, and I think the, the uh, like what at the core of all of it is how do we how do we connect to one another right so what is it that makes a person tick what is it that they're thinking what is it that makes them believe this is right and he decided to treat that person sitting across from him that was a KKK member that was vehemently vehemently racist towards black individuals 
he himself being a black individual was able to have two three hour conversations go to dinner with them and actually develop i think that was the beautiful part about it when he was talking about developing those relationships and then in turn creating friendships and he 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 uses hands to say like you're this far apart from one another but you can move it closer just by having conversation as we are right now no matter how much you you know that's that's why it makes sense to love thy enemy i think that's a perfect example right there because in him moving towards them in love he was able to show that what they believe was wrong because he was able to say i'm not this way i haven't committed any crimes i'm you know a law-abiding citizen or I, I whatever the counter argument was and he did that not by shouting not by shutting the person down not by saying oh no you're a racist bigot. canceling them canceling them and yeah. saying that we need to shut you down because you're wrong and then what was beautiful is that he said ignorance breeds hate and hate breeds violence and i think that's something to that effect mm-hmm. and i thought that was for me in parallel with this if everyone were to come up with a question whatever it is for that a particular person i almost feel like it's it's like destined like god would want us to have some some question for us to answer and pursue that i don't know maybe it's he says he god selects certain individuals to do this it's probably more the case right for then us to pursue that in the in truth and just be open and honest about what that looks like and I think we see that in in Peterson and Daryl and probably even Rogan, um, Brett, all these different guys, right? Um, the guy who got uh, fired at Google, um, mm-hmm. all these different people, even Kanye, right? Kanye, same thing. Maybe um, whoever else we can think of, right? It's this it's these questions that they're they're not able to answer themselves, and it's in the others that they're interacting with they're able to find those answers so it's what we're talking about earlier right it's pursuing that truth open honestly and and with humility knowing that you know what i don't know that's why i'm asking this question because i think yeah i think that uh if you do have an honest or humble humbled approach towards seeking truth you know that's not just being an uh open-minded that's some of it i think but if you're pursuing truth and you're open to truth, I think you're not going to, you're not going to allow your preconceived notions, your stereotypes. You're not going to allow any of that to get in the way of like you're saying, seeking truth. And I think that happens with everybody's journey with, with uh, God mm-hmm. seeking, seek, because even, um, even Eddie Bravo, I don't know if, if I, I might've sent you the clip of the last uh, fight companion, but it was just him and Joe. I think uh, Brian had left and uh forget the name of the other guy. Brendan Chop. Brendan Chop. They had left already. But no, but Eddie was saying how he's like, I I like pursuing truth. I like chasing after it. He's like, I don't know where it's going to lead me. He's like, um, he's like, he admitted, I guess, that he's like, the people that mentored me, the people that, 
that have taught me to how to look into things, how to, you know, how to seek truth. He's like, they've all ended up at the Bible mm-hmm. at some point or another. They've ended up believing in, in God. He's like, I don't know why that is. He's like, I don't know what that's about. He's like, but I asked them like, what, what, like I thought, I thought you said at one point or another, he's like, I thought you said that Christianity was like a lie or like the Bible is like untrue or whatever. And they're like, look, I thought that too at some point, but because of our pursuit of truth, because our pursuit of, um, you know, what's right versus what's wrong, eventually, like, you have to go to the Bible. It's just interesting how, like, it doesn't matter your walk of life um, and seeking truth, you are going to, you're going to be challenged. Mm-hmm. Your preconceived notions, your stereotypes, whatever, that's going to, at some point, you have to challenge what you believe. And I think, I think there's, it's, uh, with our pursuit of, of God, I think there's definitely room for that. If you're being honest, you know, because there are a lot of things that you read in the Bible or you hear in the teaching or what have you that doesn't make sense at the time. Like you said, like, you know, I heard this, you know, such and such verse, you know, at this age and it didn't make any sense. And then, you know, sometime later, you know, at, at this point in my life, I read that verse. I read that in scripture and it totally popped out, popped out of the pages and it made complete sense at, at that time for me. Yeah, actually, this past Sunday, yesterday, uh, we were discussing um, Eliseo had put up the map of the Old Testament and all of the uh, different regions and talked about, because we were talking about the harmony of the Gospels, right? The life of Christ and Luke, Mark, John, Luke, Mark, a little bit of Acts, a little bit of uh, Corinthians, I think, too, that all uh, talk about you know, his, his, the birth to, um, the baptism and then his ministry. Right. And he was using the map to provide like a little bit of like overlay of what that looked like, his journey, the different, um, stories that happened in the various areas of that area of the region in, um, like Israel now and day Israel and, um, Canaan, Canaan. Yeah. And I had this question in my head, where else would it be, right? In my arm. <laughs> I was armed with this question. Of you, you wear your questions on your on my sleeve. sleeve with yeah. your arm. And I just people just know know me. <laughs> Is that why you have a funny bone? Because of your dad jokes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that was a good one. I was thinking this whole like philosophy thing. Why do I like philosophy? Like what's going on there? And as time went on you know, asking different questions. And so we're having this, this dialogue and he talks about, there's that, what's it's like 400 year period between the old Testament and new Testament. There's a, um, a call it the gap of silence or the, the gap, gap of, yeah. yeah, he mentioned that. Uh, and, and it was in that time because the, the Jews were the chosen people. They were, um, God chose them to spread the gospel essentially to, to prepare them for the coming of Christ. Right. Original, but they failed. Yeah. But then you have Greek and Athens, and he talked about that church or that library where all the... Alexandria. Alexandria, thank you so much. In Egypt, where all the elite, I guess you could say all the intellectuals of the time, all gathered. From from all regions of the world. All regions, yes. And it was was 
kind of um, helped. It was helped to be move. It was move. It was able to move forward because of things like Plato, Socrates, Aristotle. All these guys talked about virtue and truth and the unseen and all these all these um, ideas about how there is that the the missing God. I think that's how he described it. And so they all pointed to Jesus and God without knowing that was who they were speaking of, right? And so then the Alexandria, and then that helped spread the 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 what is it the preparation right and then that's when the new testament picks up those 400 years though that's where the philosophy began that's where all these ideas started to spring up and it's fascinating because people always ask me and i always thought about it too that why would i want to study philosophy Mm -hmm. and i think i'm beginning to understand i don't know if i know the answer yet part of me wants to think that that's the question my question to answer but it's hard to say right because i'm still going through the journey in it and, and and i mentioned before how you know from high school started to dabble in all these different um clips and ideas similar to like eddie bravo and yeah it's the same way right it's funny so went all these different places rabbit holes and crazy things and all that and then certain life experiences led me to to peterson and really it all started when um what's his name gosh what's his name peterson debated him like four times about truth not the weinsteins but Mm, he's atheist sam harris sam harris so when he was on bill maher um ben affleck was talking about how gross he was about being uh against Muslims and because Sam Harris is like well this is what I see you know they become radicalized this and that violence right yeah recently I heard really quick recently I heard somebody accuse Ben at the time of being roided up because I guess it was during the Batman filming oh I bet he looked so they're like, like dude like it was way over reaction to because he was yelling he was yeah. like in it, like really passionate about what he was saying. Yeah. Sorry, I just wanted to shoot. No, no, I remember hearing that too. Yeah, that's funny. I mean, he looked like it, right? He was big at the time and all that. So then that like led me on this little journey to what was now to become known as intellectual intellectual dark web. Mm. So that led me, and then came across Peterson, right? Because of the controversy over there, and and then that led me. So like his lectures and then that led me to scripture and then that led me to reconnect and then you know it's like here like we you are. said yeah and here we are right <laughs> like it all comes back and it leads everyone to the bible it's so funny i never really thought it through that way but it's 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 like this these questions that we have and if we're honest about it you know and and we are truly wanting to know the answer right if we mm-hmm. if we pray in that way if we meditate that way, then you know the the if you knock, the door will be opened, right? Is how it is? Mm-hmm. it'll be open. Because even in in scripture, there's definitely, and I'm I'm sure you've heard us mention it at one point or another, talking about how at one point the Greeks wanted to talk to Jesus. Yeah, they they heard about this guy in in. Uh, in Israel, Palestine, 
they heard about this guy performing miracles and challenging thought, challenging ideas of the time. And so they sent people to go see him, to go speak with him. And he said that it, it, it wasn't his time yet. It wasn't his time to reveal himself to to Gentiles in that way anyway. But it reminded me of um, Sol- King Solomon. The same thing happened to him as far as the queen of, I think it was Ethiopia. I was about to say Ethiopia. Egypt, Egypt, yeah. No, but the queen of Ethiopia actually traveled to hear to partake of his wisdom, to hear him out, to hear his ideas, to hear whatever it was that God had given to him. Because, you know, it says that he was the wisest man who ever lived, according to his, you know, according to his time. Um, but yeah, there's definitely, there's definitely something to that. I mean, even with, um, there's, there's, I mean, you could see it in, in any, almost like in any region or any religion, I should say, as far as you're going to see some highlights where, oh, this is in reference to Messiah. This is in reference to the world being broken and in need of a savior or in need of, I mean, that's such a, uh, going back to Peterson, that's an archetype, right? There's uh, superhero movies or like, think of any movie where, Mm -hmm. There's a huge problem. There's something that needs to get done, something that needs to get accomplished. And then somebody comes in and saves the day. It's like even in, in how we tell stories, that's that's central. That's central to, hey, this is here's a story. Sit down and we're going to go through this. We're going to explore this and how, how we were talking earlier about um, pursue what is meaningful not as what not what is expedient like in in, in that idea and in, in those lenses too how how um i was gonna post a video maybe i'll post it later but it's peterson talking about just that very thing he's like it's if something's not meaningful it's not worth pursuing so I, in light of what you're saying as far as seeking knowledge truth and wisdom it does make sense why it it's gonna it might be a painful journey and more more than likely you're going to have those moments of when it goes up and down, but you're going to have those moments where it's painful because you're breaking away from the old man. As you were saying, you're breaking away from your preconceived notions. You're breaking away from stereotypes. You're breaking away from all these different things that made you, defined you, or, or set in motion the way that you would live because of your train of thought. Like with you, you're talking about philosophy. I'm sitting here in in Gabriel's uh, dining area. Excuse me. I'm looking at his coffee table, and there's like 500 books. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, actually, but, I got a gift card uh, for my birthday from Reconnect. Thank you again for uh, Barnes and Noble. It, it this makes sense. Like this is, you know, proof is in the pudding that. Oh, I'm reading a great book, by the way. <laughs> Gabriel's book recommendations. Uh, Notes from Underground, uh, Dostoevsky. Uh, oh my gosh, I love it. He's such a great writer. Blowing your mind. It's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but no, it's, no, just that. That I mean, that's why I can just think of like, just like you were talking about um, before about the old man. I know that's something that I'm pretty sure you've heard at least. So break it down too in Scripture, where Jesus is talking about the old wineskin. Mm-hmm. And how 
you can't pour new wine in there because it's going to burst. And it's the same thing with us where because of our old way of thinking or old habits or education, whatever it is, that's, as you say, it's like we're pursuing this question. If that's hindering us, then that needs to be put away. It needs to be renewed for something new in order to fully uh, receive and, and to be fully impacted by the new new knowledge or new wisdom. True. True. True Truth. knowledge. Yeah. yeah. Is that how you say it, right? It's true knowledge or... Um I forget how it's said in, in scripture to, to, to grow in true under true knowledge, right? It's, uh, and it's interesting. So in, in connecting this to like our experiences, how we, how we go through life. Right. I heard someone say, was it, who was it? I forget. I think it was Peterson. Yeah. I think it's Peterson master meaning that, that the person is the journey. The person experiencing life is the journey. That's that is the definition of what the journey is. It's 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 the climb up to the mountain peak. It's not getting to the destination. It's the journey that makes you. It's the journey that makes you. Right. Which means that you are the journey. That's a really interesting way to look at it. Right? Isn't that funny? Yeah. The person experiencing point A to point B, that's getting whatever whatever experiences from that whatever under whatever understanding whatever hardships and triumphs that person is the journey exactly as is i don't know what i just said right there at that last point but the person is the journey right it's like you aren't experiencing the journey and the journey isn't like separate from i don't know i was thinking about the other day it's like you're the main character in your own book, your right. own story. Do you do you write your own? Do you want to be the author of your own story? Or do you want to be in someone else's story? Or I think that's how it's said. And and in the same way, right? We talked about this in Bible study that in the same way to have true knowledge is to have intimate relationship with, right? So if you think about that being the person that's experiencing trials and triumphs is having intimate relationship with that in conjunction with the people those friends your partner your uh, family you're experiencing those trials and triumphs with along with them because we are social creatures we run in little clans or in tribes right and so it's it's each person uh, provides value to the tribe and what you're saying makes perfect sense of the story of israel in the bible like i know your notes we're talking about leviticus it's right there but in in that frame of mind right they had to undo their previous mindset of, of being captives or being slaves in Egypt. And from there they had to, to switch their mentality from that to being totally dependent on God. That's why it has the story of manna and water coming out of the rock. So even in, in that story, right, we're, we're able to see, like you're saying, they had an intimate experience with God. 
something that they hadn't seen or done before. And now God was making it quite clear that, as you said, he wanted a relationship with them. In order to have a, a relationship, they had to build trust. They had to build, you know, these different elements. But as you're saying, like, they are the story in, in, in that journey. They mm-hmm. are the people that are going, they're experiencing it, you know, on their own. Yeah, they are the story. Yeah, exactly. It's funny because I was looking down um, and how when we when we think about sacrifice right we 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 think of god and uh loves a cheerful giver and we think about cain and abel right it's funny because in leviticus it talks about burnt offering grain offering sin offering guilt offering ordination what is that ordination offering sacrifice of peace offering so many different offering so much so many ways of giving and I, and I, it's funny because i didn't it, it stood out to me. That's why I wrote it, wrote it down again because what I was thinking about as I was reading or meditating through was that there's are un, unique ways, diverse ways of like the talents, right? There's different talents. The mm-hmm. same way we are, we can offer our talents, but when we're offering, we it depends on what it is that needs to be. Um, sacrificed of ourselves as we um because there's different offerings for different mm-hmm. um ways of, of sinning so this makes me think that there's different parts of ourselves that need to be offered up that need to be sacrificed to be able to renew the mind to become um you know the circumcision of the heart all these principles it's it's like as you go through life, you you're making various mistakes, and that has, that has to be sacrificed. You have to understand, okay, I, I can't do that again, and that's why it's so important for us to read these stories because then we can see. You know, I think it would be great for all of us to just have that downloaded right into your heart, your hard drive, like the Matrix, like the Matrix. Yeah. Could you imagine? Like that would be so amazing. I would make no mistakes. <laughs> I would speak truth 100%. I would love, you know, mm-hmm. all these different things. And it's like, oh, man, you know, you look back and you're like, hmm, well, that's 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 the forgiveness. That's the grace. You know, that's so important. That's why there's so much sacrifice and offering that needs to happen to, to have. Because, right, uh, God is slow to anger and quick to mercy and quick to, to give mercy. Mm-hmm. Because we make so many mistakes every day. Gosh, I can think of two right now. Uh, Jacob's audio file. Jacob's audio file. Let's not bring that up. <laughs> Gosh, in front of everybody, in front of all my friends. Yeah, you know, like I, I'm gonna download that program, and we're gonna get some good audio up in here. And uh, uh, friends, we're gonna have a video content soon enough. Maybe at the end of the year. We'll figure it out. I know Lee's a little worried about it. GoPro. You know, we got a little GoPro going. It'll be interesting. We'll uh, definitely be back on YouTube with... Uh... Eventually. <laughs> For sure. I, I'm 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 starting to get a little tech bug, if you will. Got bitten. Um, I got that, that corona tech virus, you know what I'm saying? Too soon. <laughs> it's out there. It's coming for you. <laughs> It's the same way, right? Virus needs a host. It needs 
and needs to um no i don't know i'm going with this no yeah no the with the coronavirus yeah that the only way to transmit it is through human interaction like you're talking about sharing experiences or people's experiences crossing paths you have to interact with people you have to be open-minded enough to hear them out to hear their story to hear their experience right and i think i i don't think we um touched on it enough but i think that's part of someone's journey is is the interactions that you have with others because obviously right we're i mentioned we're social beings and we all know this and we have people around us and it's it's the experiences that we're having it's not like you know you walk from your house to your car to the store it's those experiences are the interactions that you have with people those are the life experiences that i'm also the, talking about right it's not just the experiences are you yeah in a sense yeah yeah it's not it's not like you going out to the mountains or like going hunting or going to the beach or something it's it's the interactions that you're having with others out in the world you know it's like what is it because they all a person has so much that we don't know about you, you think it's a matter of um understanding or or being cognizant of the idea of give and take because you know how like i don't remember that movie but it was the movie about paying it forward mm-hmm. where it was like somebody did one big big thing for somebody else i don't remember exactly how it started but i think somebody might have bought someone a car or a house or something but when they did that the the person that received the gift was then able to turn it around and then they gave then they sacrificed like you're saying they sacrificed or they gave something else to someone hmm. and then, i don't think i remember this uh early 2000s maybe something like that well, I definitely know like people going and say Starbucks, and you pay for the person sort of behind you, and yeah. then you kind of see how long how long that chain goes until you get a selfish <laughs> person. Oh wow! Okay, well, all right, have a good one. See you later. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I what was I thinking of I know, in and out. I know people have done that before. They get to the drive-through window and they say, "Here's five hundred dollars." And this is for whoever is behind me. Like, just keep paying for the people that are behind me. What's that's interesting. Um, well, that's awesome. On top of that, whoever has those five hundred dollars has to do a lot of math and be honest about that, right? Because if they're like, oh, oh, you mean the employee? Yeah, he could be like pocket two hundred bucks right there. You know, like nothing. Yeah, he could do that because the guy leave, the person leaves, and it's like, all right, well, trusting that he'll honest about that that's another thing right i'm sure more than likely the person will be honest you would hope so because i mean there's cameras yeah and then, i mean in and out uh, work culture that they're very they're very strict and who they hire and protocol and that makes so that makes sense that makes sense that like you said they would, if that were to happen they would probably figure it out right yeah you would hope so I mean, it's it's one of those things where, um, you know, hate breeds hate, but also love breeds hate. Uh, love, it's like uh, it's contagious. Once, yeah, because but even in yeah, I was thinking even in that frame of mind, how being genuine to your pro, to your progress 
two-year journey is it's paramount because if you're going through you know a valley if you're going through through hardships but there's a part of you that still hasn't fully embraced it or there's a part of you that refuses to acknowledge it then all these different things that you can be learning that you can be picking up from the people that you meet people with experience you're not going to be able to glean anything out of those experiences of others that wisdom that understanding you're not going to be able to you know partake of any any of that like you're saying like when you come across somebody that has experienced an illness or what have you and perhaps you or somebody you know is going through that there's a lot that you can take away from that experience but if you don't then you're you're just missing out you're wasting your time essentially you're not updating yourself in a way, right? If right. you want to say it that way, it's you're, like you're refusing to download. Yeah, yeah. you're you're. <clears throat> it's like information. It's not you're not willing to transfer that that data from someone else's life experiences and the wisdom that they hold. Right. It's like like your Mac. Like if you just re- refuse to allow any of the updates, then at some point. You're not going to be able to use it the same. Becomes outdated yeah. and all that. Yeah, it's 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 interesting. You're saying like your progression, right? And and we obviously, you know, we're we put progress. You know, it's it's sort of this um, culture that we have, progressive culture, right? And it's funny because we want to legislate progress. We want to legislate, you know human advancement betterment of of our fellow um man or human beings human being yeah. citizens right and i think that's great like that we we all applaud we all want to applaud that and we want to jump on that of course but where the where it's the road is does that person want to progress do they want to update themselves do they want to deal with their sin essentially the the parts of themselves that are you know the shadow as Jung says or Peterson and do they really want to deal with that we were talking about earlier you know it's like we know people in our in our lives that don't want to deal with the issues uh whether that's health or or familial or whatever the issues may be because Mm -hmm. they know that that's going to lead to um like it's going to lead to trauma or it's going to lead to change change it's going to deal it's going to lead them to pain you know and, and it's either physical mental or spiritual um pain that it's just i don't want to go there i don't want to go to so as a soul or s-h-e-o-l i don't want to i don't want to update um that part of myself because i could just ignore it and let it fester and it's like i know it's there i know it's bugging me. I know it's it's bugging others. People can see that this is an issue. That's a. You can't change someone no. that is not willing to do that themselves. They remind me of the, the story of the dragon. Right? Oh right, yeah. the little boy. Yeah, the mom was like, "Nope, there's no dragon." Mm-hmm. It's the the uh, Jonah's uh, the what is it? Jonah. Jonah. Jonah in the well. When he when he got ate by the. The well, he he didn't want to go where God wanted him to go. Hmm. He didn't want to deal with that pain. Probably, I would imagine, right? It's like he needed to do something. 
everyone knew and it affected those around him it, it put them in danger and I think that's where I understand what Peterson is saying and and I think the truths that we see in, in the Bible about living out life and truth and, and pursuit through love because if we're doing that and we're being we're being um, humble about what we know and what we don't know and and willing to go out and explore the unknown the 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 um the dark side of of who we are and all the different um i I think that's why it was so interesting about when jesus was healing um those who were blind those who were possessed it was always a physical ailment but it was connected to the sin so it was funny how he would say well you're pursuing truth you remember those right those verses mm-hmm. he says because you you've come to me in truth and you want to pursue truth and and are um affected by these physical elements you know in in your sin that that you know you you shall see now you shall walk you shall you know all those examples it's so funny how that those two are correlated and he tells them go and sin no more exactly so yeah he's definitely seeing it from a spiritual perspective spiritual lens and seeing because something's wrong spiritually he's seeing the or he's addressing that first but because of our humanity our state the flesh fallen state we're just focusing on the physical symptoms right so if the physical symptoms are a reflection of the unseen world Hmm. if you could put it that way yeah Exactly. Yeah, it's it's what it's exactly right. It's the unseen world. It's what lies beneath the surface. It's what you know. All of our insecurities and all of our lacking, whatever that lacking is, you define that for yourself. And it's um, it's fascinating how in pursuing that, in in pursuing that progress in yourself, you know old old wineskin to new wineskin you know circumcision of the heart and obedience to faith it's letting go it's those offerings it's that sacrifice over time that's updating you and moving you forward and never really reaching right god's true was it the measurement of God? I forgot how how it said, but <clears throat> fullness of God. The fullness of God. Because that made me think really quick. That made me think of the notion or the idea of my truth, right? And whether or not that is ever being taken into consideration to be re- reevaluated or to be uh, renewed or to be updated, like we're like we're saying. Because yeah, because once I think that's the the image I get as far as um, our filthy our righteousness is like filthy rags Mm -hmm. in the presence of God or or our righteousness what it looks like in comparison when it's when it's held held up to the light and it's brought to light and it you can see God's righteousness and our righteousness and just how how empty our righteousness is or how it completely does not stack up to God's way God's God's word, God's law, God's authority. I just think, yeah, like there is, I understand like there can be that, my whole notion of my truth, but then 
when does it come into play with reality? Or when does it come into play with what's actually going on, like you're saying, within us, within our own progress? Because if if we are learning, if we are growing, you have to imagine that that notion of my truth. It's it has to update, right? It has to like be open to criticism. It has to be open to the outside perspective, right? Because you have to. What is it? Um, trial by fire, like you're saying. Hmm. Trial by fire. Yeah. Yeah. There's new trials. There's new tribulations, and it's in those moments of the journey that we're going to see what we're made out of. And, and we're going to see if my truth was right or or was it wrong. Mm-hmm. Mm. It's that baptism of repentance, right? Right. It's that cleansing, washing the feet. It's, it's to continuously cleanse ourselves of the dirt, of the, the sickness, really, in a lot of ways, right? It's, it's, it's why we we see a lot of times physical ailments or, or mental ailments um, affect a person in a way that leads to a, a spiritual angst mm. many times. And it, and it makes sense why, you know, the, what was it? The light, the darkness did not comprehend the light. Mm-hmm. Because it's like the the deeper you go in there, the the it's almost like the the clearer you can see that light in in, in that darkness. I was gonna say, with your background in philosophy, is that something that is that an archetype archetype that is overwhelming in like all school of thoughts as far as seeking truth to the point or to the extent where self-sacrifice is required and self well I guess self-denial is a better way to put it but as far as like application of seeking truth like is that something within your background of philosophy that you've seen that's common or that's uh, familiar with multiple like what is it that you've seen in I guess what is that you've seen that's familiar with the different philosophies? Well, um, I definitely. It's funny because anytime I think about like what I studied, I always think about Greek philosophy, um, like Descartes and um, what's his, Spinoza, all these different guys. And it's funny because they all kind of reacted to one another in a way, like they mm. all kind of. Yeah, actually, yeah, that's interesting. So, you know, they kind of, uh, like John Locke created, um, what was it? Gosh, where's the book? Uh, It's kind of like, um, gosh, what is it called? He wrote, uh, now I'm thinking of Kant, uh, Critique of Pure Reason. So, yeah, Locke started this pure reasoning um, conversation and um, Berkeley, Berkeley? John John Barkley, they all kind of that that helped them to push the conversation forward. They all started to criticize and react and and correspond to one another in that pursuit. Mm-hmm. And I think it's it's not necessarily directly answering your question, but it is uh, alluding to that same concept of let's put out my ideas, my truth, 
and then react to what is being um, what other thinkers are criticizing of that so um, they, description. They had to hash it out together. They had to hash it out. Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's kind of like in Isaiah, God is telling Israel, "Come, let us reason together." Precisely. That was exactly it. Yeah. And and, and over time, it gets that information is updated. It, it becomes right. clearer, and it becomes. Um, um, better understood by them carrying that um, baton forward. Because in essence, they're helping each other answer the questions, right? Mm-hmm. It's funny, and um, Nietzsche is always, like he's he's brutal. He's he's very critical of philosophers, and I remember hearing it again in Maps Meaning that you know philosophers. Um, it's like they what they put out their philosophies become sort of like their 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 um it's like they embodied their philosophies mm. and it's like they're putting themselves out there right and i forgot he said it i know he quoted it in his book but and i read it in, in his book beyond good and evil and it's just it's such a great book but he he basically said that they were not willing to go as far as they should have Hmm. it's almost as though they needed to like you know they needed the ivory tower around them to to protect themselves from that truth i think i think he criticized them in that way that they weren't willing really willing to go that far in a lot of ways but maybe he's just being rude well i mean i guess it is brutal when you think about the idea of okay are they living out what are they practicing what they preach are they living out what they're saying they're about like that's been I think I've mentioned on the podcast before but that's been like one of my biggest criticisms of somebody like Bernie Sanders Hmm. calls himself a socialist democratic socialist and people are totally buying into it you know for one reason or another but then the reality is okay is he actually living like a socialist or is he a millionaire He's well, a millionaire. Yeah. So he has three houses. Like, go back. Let's go back and look at all the socialist countries, socialist governments, and who are the ones that have three houses? Who are the ones that have the all you know that kind of money? They're part of the elite. It's usually you know a military general. There's a coup that the happened. People who have all the power. People that have all the power, right? And that's exactly what Alexa, what's her name? Um, Alexandria Casio Cortez. That's exactly what she said over the president's holiday. I forget the recent holiday. Well, she got mad for. She said, "We don't want Bezos, Jeff Bezos' money. We want his power." Oh, I was thinking about something else, but yes, yeah. They want the power, and it's no different. And it's so funny because I, I think I was talking to you about it, really. So when I think about the antichrist satan um no who is talking to now satan or lucifer and all all these different descriptions right literally if you look at christ and then you think about the antichrist it's just the opposite of what god is saying what christ is jesus christ is saying right love one another and antichrist is saying hate one another divide you know if it's a life then and uh, antichrist is death it's literally the opposite. Mm-hmm. So you think about the power that God gave to Jesus. There is power there, right, in God. And it's so funny because that's exactly what they want. But 
they want it by coercion and manipulation, not by love and understanding and humility and all that. There's no such thing as voluntary yeah, it's, practice. It's literally yeah. the opposite of what God's power and love is. It's so funny when you look at you look at it and you realize that what is against God's truth is exactly what is happening. Like Bernie and, and Ocasio-Cortez. Mm-hmm. I didn't mean to cut you off, but it's, it's, it's just no, like no. I think about that. I'm like, wow, I'm starting to see that happen more and more. It's like it's becoming more clear as I've meditated on scripture and, and having discussions with you, Eliseo, and, and the group. It's like I'm starting to understand where to, to discern what is God and what is not. And, and the more that you chew on scripture and you digest and it becomes part of what you're seeing, then you realize, okay, what's, what's really happening? And it's, it's, it's frightening, but it's also comforting knowing that you have God's power on your side, I guess you could say, but yeah. Uh, that was, uh, at least for me growing up in church, that was definitely a big eye opener so to speak, realizing, because uh, growing up, it was always the, the idea with Jesus was he's half man, half God. And there was no like deviating from that. But then once you realize like everything that he gave up, everything that he, um, I guess in, in a sense, he, he, yeah, he turned in or he, he, Forfeited. Uh, forfeited. That's thank you. That's a better way to put it. His part of his glory in becoming a man, becoming a, a person, becoming flesh, and how much strength he needed to, you know, fast forty days and forty nights. How much strength he needed to be tempted by the enemy, and and endure the cross, and endure the beating, the humiliation. The rejection of, of the people that he loved them, you know, he interacted with day in and day out for three years. Yeah, it's just amazing how. Even like, I mean, even going back to like his birth, and how he was born in a, in an inn, the manger of an inn, right where they kept the animals. Like you're saying, like, it's the complete opposite of how he could have done it. Mm-hmm. Coming in, you know, in a chariot, and I mean, because it, and I guess that's. The completion of him with the second coming, he's going to come with power, with might, with you know all that in mind to, to basically to undo righteousness, to undo the right, the righteous thing, unrighteous things that that man that we've put on the earth. Whether that's you can put that in any category, as whether that's like environmentalism, whether that's um, human atrocities, whatever. Like he's literally going to come in the, by the power of his of his word or the word of his power like the imagery that the, the book of revelation gives is it's literally like a sword coming out of his mouth like that <laughs> that paints a very different picture mm. having that kind of power where his going back to like creationism and god speaking things into existence and jesus the, the power that he had in his speech like, yeah right he spoke precisely i think we could say that about yeah i one think of the, so <laughs> He, uh, yeah, he, uh, he told the truth and he did not lie. He spoke precisely. He, right. uh, um, treated himself as though he was someone he was taking care of, mm-hmm. which that's oh, all beautiful stuff, man. It's, it's so funny. You know, I was talking to 
on Super Bowl Sunday about Bernie's, you know, pay off the debt, student loan debt. He's, he's on that bandwagon too with Born. Huh? He's on that bandwagon. Oh yeah, with Bourne. I think he might have started it all. To oh. be honest, everything in the DNC, all Bernie's ideas have been just held pickpocketed. Yeah, and, they uh, they took it and said, "All right, well, that's what people want." It's so we're talking about this whole, you know, let's pay off student loan debt, let's forgive it. We can bail out the banks. We can bail out all these. Um, you know, people who are burdened by debt, which I have, student loan debt. But I was telling them that, no, like, I'm not for that, even though I have it. Because majority of those who have student loan debt didn't even finish their schooling. I think I it's like over half. I didn't know that. That's definitely, yeah, it's majority. Now, the other, the other, you drill down more is majority of those who dropped out are males, men. Hmm. So you have men who dropped out, who have debt, that have no skill set really, and they're going to go out and try to get a job and try to make up and, and you know, uh, climb their way out of that. My argument was, well, yes, should government get out of providing 18-year-olds loans to go get a degree in philosophy like I did? Yeah, probably that's a good start, right? Bernie doesn't say anything about that, right? Now, what about uh, technical training? Why not become a mechanic or a, a CNC operator or a, a plumber? These are all necessary jobs. Electricians, all these, mm-hmm. you know, you, you where do you get your water from? Where, you, where We don't, like we were talking about Elise Hale, we are not connected to the source of our food, of our energy, of, any, of our waste, any of that, right? Why not spend time educating, again, our parents and the community about these valuable, good-paying jobs that is going to actually rebuild the middle class mm. versus indoctrinating our, our young minds into believing that this education is going to guarantee them a six-figure job out of college when you have $50,000 in debt, you know? It's, it's, it's sad to say that that's the case. So I would not before forgiving student loan debt because majority of that is people who were mistakenly misguided and they were misguided in going to get a schooling when they didn't really want in the first place probably majority right and it's 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 people taking on that responsibility without having the proper understanding of what they were getting themselves into that led us to this problem right and it's definitely majority of government so what does Bernie think? Well, it's government who should solve these problems. When government was a problem to begin with. It's like, come on, dude. Figure it out. <laughs> Let's just give the government more power over our lives because they have it all figured out. I mean, oh, yeah. can we can we name one like one agency or one program that the government does efficiently and well better than the private sector could do? I don't know. I haven't got my letter yet. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, I, I would say we we need limited government, right? I think that's a good start. Which means we still need government. Like, there's a you can know, make an argument that yeah, yeah. I mean, we got to preserve our rights because the way we I need that body. Yeah, the, the way I like to present some of my libertarian views to some of my friends is the less power we give the government the less power they have to exploit. 
the less opportunity they have to be corrupt. Because you know that they're going to be corrupt, but they have less power than what they have now. Then they're a little bit in check, a little bit more in check than, like you're saying, like Bernie's like, well, the government should figure this out. And then they actually they actually can cater to their constituents. You know, it's not it's not it's not a longer a problem where you know there's money in politics because mm-hmm. there's less there's less uh, government right to invest money in. So then now you can go directly to the people and say, well, here are our services or here are here are our um, here's our here's our agenda. It becomes more transparent in that way. Well, it gets it gets murky and convoluted once once you start you know what's that uh, lobbying you know mm-hmm. that's that's a problem right it's 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 we can agree on those areas it's and just a matter of how you solve those and that's yeah and that's the thing too it's like we know what the problems are and we know what's causing it and what's the effect and instead of working to solve a, a solution. Right. It's like, well, we're, we're not going to do that. We're just we're just going to try it this way because this is how everybody voted. Where mm-hmm. um, majority doesn't always mean, you know, that they ha- that they have the right the right answer to these, you know, the right solution to these problems. Could you imagine what could happen if we had a national conversation about scripture? And what it means to live out the truths that we find national conference. I don't know where it's happening. I'm sure it's happening somewhere. We're just not aware. Maybe you know, but a little bit more serious conversation, you know, to where it's honest and open and, and transparent about how, yeah, the Old Testament's a little bit harder to, to digest. And mm-hmm. I wonder if we would actually progress in a way that was meaningful because I don't I'm sure you would agree that I don't think we're progressing in a meaningful way it's what they would would say they whoever these they are would say we're regressing what's the regressive politics that we found ourselves in where let's go back to what we were fighting against before you know Mm -hmm. let's go back to that and in part, obviously, it's it's because of our uh, comfort, you know. There's only so much you can, there's only so much meaning you can find in your life because uh, everything's, you go to the store and there's abundance of food and you go to the, you know, all these nice buildings and you have AC and heating for the most part, right, if you're lucky. You can, you know, find services and things like that. And yeah, we, we have issues in California with those that are without uh, shelter and those who are lacking food. There's all these different issues, but it's like we were talking earlier, uh, we were texting and I was saying, uh, in terms of, for example, like police brutality and like, we're talking about Kaepernick. Oh, for example. Yeah. (laughs) No, but, but just the idea that, now all of a sudden Nike is woke and if you're not in favor of Kaepernick, if you're not in favor of, of buying Nike, these Nike products that are uh, help promote something like Black Lives Matter, then you're part of the problem. Mm-hmm. Instead of questioning 
what's really behind all this and and realizing like I was like mentioning realizing like social causes have become they become corporate they become monetized mm-hmm. and so now it's like oh Nike's we're sponsored by Nike to fight this this kind of this type of oppression and when the reality is oh but Nike has sweatshops all over Asia like the police brutality is a problem but not the sweatshop aspect of, of how that ties into the company that's that's helping fight this or another one I, I thought of recently too over the weekend was the the gun rallies the, the, the gun reform, reform policies that are changing in certain states and how again people cry afoul of police brutality Right, and these are the same people that talk about equality, talk about justice or what have you. But these are the same people that want the citizens they want the citizens to be disarmed. Like the police are not doing a good job. I'm complaining about the police, you know, overstepping their bounds or um, executing their authority, you know, unrighteously. But at the same time, I want them to have all the guns. I want them to have all all the weapons and and I know <laughs> you know I know we're going to be sitting ducks but that's better than what we have right now again right. like this is a problem right these these are we were saying like there's a problem that we have to acknowledge but then let's seek the truth let's just not toe the line of you're on this side if you think this and you're on this side if you think that like that's we can do that, but is, what is that really solving? Like, what is that really, like you're saying, what's that bringing to the conversation? Are we going to force these ideas on somebody else? Like, forget who said it, but essentially, good ideas don't need to be forced on others. A good idea is a good idea on its own, and people, like you said, like if they're pursuing truth, they're pursuing knowledge, wisdom, what have you, they're going to get to that point, and they're going to be open enough to, okay, let me hear them out. And let's see if we can, it's, you know, at some point or another, let's see what we can come out of, what can come out of this? We're, what What's the next stage? What's the next point that we can get to? It's funny, the whole gun thing, whole gun issue, in connecting to what we've been talking about, it's, it's many times a lack of experience with guns. Absolutely. Yes. That, that. Though many of the individuals that are saying, oh, let's get rid of guns. Because it's frightening, it's it's terrifying. It, it has negative con- uh, consequences when it comes to, you know, mass shootings or or the gun violence that you see in different um, metropolitan cities around the U.S. And yeah, I mean, it's it's granted, you know, if you've lost a loved one due to gun violence or some sort of uh, drug uh, gun crime, it's like yeah, you you want to figure out how to get rid of right. that weapon, right? But then. You know, I've, I don't know if you, have you shot a gun? Yeah. Uh, you're saying, we were t- I'm going to just touch real quick. I remember the first time I went to a gun, indoor gun range, and it was my very first time being in the presence of an AR-15. And it was scary. Like, I'd never heard one in person. I never was there. And it was, uh, it was actually a competitive professional shoot, marksman, shooter who was practicing and uh, that somebody mentioned like he has like a $12,000 rifle like 
that's like elite, you know. But I remember being there, and and he was a few a few uh, rows, you know, away from me. But not only could I hear the effects of the rifle, but you could actually feel the impact, like yeah. hitting your body. Yeah, it's, like, that's it's how intense. loud. Yeah, so I could, I'm like, okay, and somebody in a very stressful, very chaotic, very uh, horrific situation, why they would feel that way. Def- yeah, they're definitely, they're, there's definitely reason why why somebody would feel that way, but then, like, as you think you were, allu- you were alluding to, but once you educate yourself with th- this gun, it works like a, you know, for example, like, it's like any other machine, like a car. You put it in reverse, it's going to go in reverse. Mm-hmm. You put it in park, it's going to park. You put it in drive, it's going to move forward. Turn the steering wheel a certain direction, it's going to go that way. We, we we have, I don't know how many thousands of accidents and uh, car deaths that occur from car accidents. Mm-hmm. We have drunk drivers, we have people who fall asleep on the wheel, but yeah, we don't get rid of cars, right? So... Because we've, everyone has experienced what it's like. Everyone has put their hands on the steering wheel, understand the ramifications and the responsibility that goes with, you know, uh, driving a motor motor motorized vehicle that weighs mm-hmm. such and such tons, right? Or a ton, I think it is, right? I think it's in the same way that we need to anything. It doesn't matter if it's guns or not, but understand the responsibility that it takes to own and operate a, a gun understand the speed the the that repercussion that you feel from the the shot of the gun and understand that you know what like there are it's actually fun when you shoot a gun yeah. I, I enjoyed it and I think in a lot of ways it's it's that again it's the ignorance that breeds that fear because it's it's something that we're not familiar with and and instead of trying to uh, interact with that head on and truth with you know, all those different ideas where we rather uh, what is it cower away from and say that's that's bad evil wrong mm-hmm. we got to get rid of it it's the fear that drives most of when it comes to taking away something from someone, taking away their that person's autonomy, that person's power, that person's power, power to choose exactly. Because I think that's something that we've, you and I, with Eddie, so have reached uh, in some of our conversations where I was realizing the more liberty or freedom somebody wants, that means the more responsibility is going to come with it. So there, there's no like separating the two. And I think we were just talking about um, having meaning or having chasing that after something uh, significant in our lives. Something like protecting yourself. I think it's pretty up there on the list of, of things that are meaningful or things that have significance. You know, protecting your family. I think that's something that we all want. Mm-hmm. We're all pursuing. Yeah. Yeah, that's very much it. It's 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 like God pursuing us, but allowing us to voluntarily develop that relationship. It's us choosing to do so, right? It's it's that free will. Mm-hmm. 
and again, Antichrist is the opposite of that. Wants to take away that free will. Wants to tell you and, and deceive you with the cunning. Um, how was it? I, you had it on your story the other day on your Instagram. Um, oh, the, the we we are like sheep among wolves, and therefore that's why we we have to be as wise or as shrewd as serpents, but as gentle as doves. Yes, I think that that encapsulates that whole what we're talking about the moral of that of what we're saying is we when I'm so let me say another example I think if you are against guns because it does lead to deaths in, in certain instances instances then we must also be against the death penalty and we must also be against abortion and war and all these other acts of violence and death I think you you have to be if you want to be, what is that, consistent in, in your beliefs and your values, then that's what you should be consistently about is life and the preserva- preservation of that person's... That means, yeah, definitely. That definitely means that you're principled. principled another way to Exactly, it. yeah. That you're against all forms of death, all forms of violent acts on other human beings. Right. I think that, to me, makes the most sense. And I would say... I would be on par with that. I would I would want that to be my as part of my value system. Well, it's definitely uh, it's definitely consistent. Yeah, consistent tra- train of thought. And it's taken me some time to really understand that. Honestly, it's it's not like you know I was debating in my in my my own self is like, well, death penalty? Are you? What do you think about that? Right? It's like there are horrific uh, acts that we humans commit mm-hmm. on one another and it's like well you know we talked about with the Eliseo that the, the young brother that wanted to go hug the woman that police murdered officer. the police officer that killed his older brother on accident right and it, it was in that act of um, mercy mm-hmm. that overshadowed the, the horrific crime or a horrific act that that person committed against someone he loved and in that was healing to be found, right? We talked about that. Yeah. And I think that's the same way that we need to look at those who commit horrific acts. We need to f- find a way to forgive and have mercy. Because it's, it's the same idea that Peterson says that we can very much be, we can, if we think enough, if we meditate hard enough, we can be that Auschwitz camp, Auschwitz camp. Um, guard, or the guard in the gulags, or the guard in the gulags, or in, in the very various communist um, dictator, tyrannical governments, we can be those murderous um, and terrible individuals. We can get to that same point, so we could be that person that committed those crimes right. too. We have the capacity. We have the capacity yeah. exactly. It's in us, so that's why it's important for. That's what is so amazing about the mercy, right? It's like. If God if God shows us mercy, then we must show mercy to one another because God knows exactly our what's our hearts in our hearts desires, right? Knows exactly our thoughts are, knows us from when we are in our mother's womb. Knows precisely what it is that makes us who we are, the flesh. And it's in that same principle. It's hard though. If someone does something, you know, like 
something terrible to someone or to you, to you, can you find it in yourself to bring out that light from that dark time? I, I think that goes very well hand in hand with uh, we're talking about Daryl Davis and how his idea or his question was how can they hate me if they don't even know me so I guess you can you can think of it that way if you're a victim of a mugging or something to that effect mm-hmm. and and not I mean it it sounds so counterintuitive to to be in that mindset of like I'm not gonna take it personally just because it happened to me you know this person was desperate you know they were out looking to for somebody to to rob but it, it's it's weird it's weird the way it works it almost it almost seems like it's harder to forgive it's easier for me to hold on to my anger to hold on to my hatred for this person than it is for me to just let go forgive and show them mercy show them compassion yeah and and I think that that anger, that hatred is the very definition of what humans want to say justice is or a social justice or all these different things that we're trying to um, fight for, essentially. Yeah. But no one's fighting for mercy and forgiveness. No one's... No one's an advocate. No one's an advocate. For mercy, for love, for grace, for redemption, so to speak. That's crazy. Mind blown. No, because I'm just right now, just top of my head, I'm trying to think of like those type of those type of uh, social media personalities or politician or talk show host, whatever, pundit, whatever, like a person that's actually talking about, oh, let's forgive each other. I can't think of anybody. I'm sure there are somebody. I think right now, uh, Rush Limbaugh, right? He mentioned that he has lung cancer. It's, it's, it's late in its stage. He, he talked about it today in his radio show, and um, everyone on Twitter, of course, right? Twitter outreach Jumped is on it. is like saying, "Oh wow, like that's great!" Like so they're happy about that's it. That's what he deserves. People. Yeah, he, he deserves it. He's whatever, right? All these um, what is it called? Apathets, apathets about him, and and people are saying, "Well." Maybe they don't agree with him, but there are certain people also saying, like, well, no, like, we hope he can recover, you know, he's in our thoughts and prayers because I'm just a normal human being or, like, a decent human being. Like, that, that's okay. You can do that. Yeah. And that's good, you know. You want you want to um, glorify that, right? But then when it comes to, oh, that's great. Like, I'm glad he's he has cancer. And it's like, that's the same person that's fighting for whatever injustices that they are seeing right it's like how does how do you reconcile that you know if you're if you're asking your enemies let's say to fight alongside you in these injustices wouldn't you want to show that same mercy to them mm-hmm. right if you think about it that way it's interesting how do you get your enemy which is the person that's on the other side that doesn't agree with you that has a different perspective. How do you get that enemy to be a collaborator in your, um, what is it called? To fight for your cause or to, yeah, to get to fight for your cause alongside okay. you. And it's the same way that Nike is fighting for and collaborating with whomever 
Kaepernick and in the like to fight for that cause. It's easier for us to criticize Nike though as a company because they're they're a public company. They support China and the communism yeah, yeah. and their sweatshops. Chineses, you know. <laughs> you wouldn't say you wouldn't say Viet Cong's. It's Viet Cong. So, you know, it's it's I think that's a better way of looking at it. Mm. How do we get our enemies to collaborate with us for our causes that we believe in and are passionate about? That reminds me of uh, Daryl Davis and his TED Talk. He, at the very end, um, he was brought up. Somebody brought up the same question with him: like, how is it that you can you can talk to your enemy? You can talk to people that uh, hate you so profoundly. And he said, as long as you're talking to your enemy, you're having dialogue with your enemy, it means you aren't fighting with them. So that's a, another way to put it, I guess. Trip out, eh? Yeah. Which reminds me of uh, what, Judas. Judas? Judas. Judas. Judas, oh. right? The kiss of death. Yeah. God knew. Jesus knew. It's so funny because even in in the different books, right? They all they all pinpoint Judas. How did they not know to stop him? That he was the treasurer, and they had no idea. Yeah, he was, but they was, all but they all wrote in the story. I and think, they count. Well, they all wrote it with hindsight being twenty twenty. That makes sense. Yeah, they weren't writing a, <laughs> journaling a, a diary. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so. Even in that, right? It's it. Jesus was collaborating with his enemy. Yeah, he was, his enemy was uh, useful to his purpose, to his calling, to his timing. And his it life. only worked because he was doing so with love. Yeah, and he, yeah, Jesus. Um, he did it all without hesitation, without like second guessing, without no. He did it like genuinely. Mm-hmm. I think of, I haven't thought about that before. Me either. Until right now, until we're talking about it right now. Yeah, hmm. I would say most of the stuff I said today, I have ah fifty fifty thought about, but was able to talk it through with you. That's that's why we're at the crossroads. That's why we are here, man. <laughs> it's a beautiful thing. Outside of the studios, I love this headphone. It's the, be- it's the best. It's, it's fantastic. <laughs> well, Lee, it was good to see you at the crossroads again. This was a good one. Oh, yeah. Different, but good. Different, but equal. <laughs> Diverse. And inclusive. <laughs> and equity. Certainly. Right? Let's see some evidence. How about that? <laughs> I want to see some evidence. All right, folks. That was a that was a fun one. I hope you all enjoy that one. You best have enjoyed. Good night. All right. See y'all later. You are listening to Gabriel and Lee at the Crossroads.